0: There is no doubt that the year 2024 is going to be a year of profound change, but I believe it can also be a year of profound opportunity. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. It is Winston Churchill who said back in November of 1942... Now, this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the the end of the beginning. That's kind of a strange statement, but consider the time in which it was said to the British people and to the free people of the world. World War II had been going on for a good three years. Since Germany had invaded Poland, and then you had the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor in December of 1941. And, and Britain had not been doing all that well in this blitzkrieg and war. There had been the Battle of Britain, which gave a bit of hope. But so many times in World War II, the British people came on the short end of the stick from the Pacific to Dunkirk and other places, it was not victory. And nobody really knew back then when that war would ever come to an end and and what the outcome would be. What Winston Churchill was trying to convey to the people of his day was that things are about to change and change profoundly. At least that was his belief With America now in the war, things might change. I've been sharing for the past couple of weeks, as we have begun this new year of 2024, some of the news stories from last year and some of my outlook for the year to come. And I am more and more convinced, as I shared on yesterday's program, some of the just profound evil that is just raising its ugly head across the planet, across this country, coming for any anybody that is God-loving, peace-loving. The enemy is at war with you. The enemy is at war with the true church. I think it was R.C. Sproul that said that many churches may close their doors, shut down, go apostate, but the true remnant church will always remain. And on that, I also have no doubt the scripture confirms that as well. And I I 100% believe that. In my lifetime, I'm watching a seed change, the likes that I've never seen before. And it seems to multiply and amplify and speed up with each passing couple of years. So let's go back for a moment 30 years. 1994. Sure, things had changed from the 90s, from the 80s, and the 70s, and the 60s, and the 50s, but did we have issues of transgenderism being rampant among young people and being encouraged and groomed by elementary school teachers? Did we have public schools celebrating Pride Month? And trying to determine which young little children might be gay to, to move them into a new lifestyle. And without ever telling the parents. Something like that would have been inconceivable in 1994. Yet I remember people like Phyllis Schlafly and others warning us that that's the direction we are heading. If we don't do certain things now... This evil is going to multiply like a cancer until it ultimately kills the host. Now, 2024, I believe, is going to be a very profound year. The likes that I don't think we will ever, that we've ever seen. You know, I'm I'm going to be 70 later this year. And we're going to see things this year we have never seen before in our lifetime. Sure, the world has been at war. Sure, we can go back hundreds of years and see famine and drought and and catastrophe and disaster and plagues and pestilence. You can name it all. But we've never seen, I, I think, the human depravity of the spirit that we are seeing today. Evil has no boundary any longer. It just doesn't. Evil gets celebrated in the media. Evil is... Condoned and promoted by many governments in the Western world. Governments that at one time had such power and influence, but also had godly roots in many cases, which they have long since abandoned, whether in recent years or the recent centuries. And now we're paying a price. We are coming to a point, a crossroads, so to speak. And we have, I think, a window of opportunity before us this year. Here in the United States, in particular, because of an election, you don't want to, quote, lock down and crush the spirit of people in such a way as to have them vote against those that are trying to steal power. And when I say those that are trying to steal power, those that are trying to destroy the idea of freedom, your freedom to live your life, your freedom to worship as you please, your freedom to raise your children, your freedom to property, your freedom to choose if you want a gas stove or a gas car. The elitist of this world have a plan and their plan is to control every little aspect of your life. And they're coming in from not one or two directions, but dozens of directions at one time. And you can't, see all the battles you're about to be engaged. It's not one or two fronts. It's going to be 10 or 20 or 30. And no way to keep track is you're overwhelmed in this battle. But during this year of 2024, I really believe that those who are believers, the true church, as I said, total church denominations may go completely apostate and become agents of nothing more than the Antichrist and serve Satan himself. I really believe there are full denominations that have gone that direction. Maybe not all the people in those denominations, but certainly at the leadership level. I'm reminded. I'm reminded that it was this past year that there was an aspirant to ministry that. Went by the name of Penny Cost, like the word penny and then cost. And this was a drag queen, a male pretending to be a woman who is being ordained as a clergyman in the United Methodist Church, who believes in everything gay and trans and and just perverted. We have seen Episcopal churches and Lutheran churches and others, even some Presbyterian, where they have invited drag queens into the sanctuary to preach with their makeup on. I have seen dancing by these drag queens in front of little three, four, and five, and six-year-old children that is perverted, despicable, disgusting, and condemned by God for the kind of sexual innuendo that it's trying to give to little children. And the Bible is clear about those that would pervert and destroy little children. Yet our government thinks it's wonderful and they support it. Our libraries and many, even in southern, supposedly conservative states in South Carolina and Alabama have allowed this to go on. We are at a crossroad. How much time do we really have? Will America finally just implode? Or will some Americans this year say we've had enough? We are at a crossroad here in the United States. You are at a crossroad in Canada, trust me. Saw a story from Canada. You remember back, wasn't that many years ago, the trucker convoy protesting the un, just unfair idea of forced vaccinations with an experiment. And we already we knew by the time that this the truckers had their their showdown so to speak we we knew that it didn't stop you from getting or spreading covid so what was the point the point was the government was demanding your allegiance and obedience And if you didn't comply, they were going to punish and hurt you, even if they were forcing you to believe what they already knew was a lie. The Justin Trudeau administration, there's no way they could not have known that these vaccines were not doing what was promised. They were not stopping you from getting or spreading COVID. They knew that. They knew it. But what do they do? You dare protest, they shut off your bank account. You dare protest or open a church, they'll want to throw you in prison, destroy you financially. The government of Justin Trudeau is a reprobate, Satan-worshipping government that has no redeeming value. It is disgusting, it is putrid, it is a stench unto Almighty God. What is being done in Canada by Justin Trudeau and his sycophant followers? Yet, if you want to protest Israel, And you want to chant for its demise, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. In other words, genocide. If you want to celebrate genocide, what does the Toronto police do to those protesters? They bring them coffee and donuts. Oh, that's right. The Toronto police, just a few days ago, came up to the group of protesters, and rather than tell them to get off the bridge and stop blocking traffic, they bought them coffee and donuts. But if you dare challenge Justin Trudeau, the man-child and his idiotic, worthless, useless, scientifically inept decisions on vaccines and all of it regarding COVID, we're going to shut off your bank account. Why do you think a digital currency is what the world elites want? They want to be able to control where you spend your money, how you spend your money. And they want to know where you spend your money. And here in the United States, what I call the Uniparty, the fake and phony conservatives like the Mitch McConnells of this world and, and former speaker of, of the House McCarthy, and I can name you a long list of fakes, phonies, and frauds, that call themselves Republicans, but they're rhinos. They're just Republicans in name only. And and we have all these foreign wars, Ukraine, we're going to have Taiwan to deal with, Israel. So the, the war machine wants money. The war machine created during World War II has never gone away. They do not want peace. When you look at the history of the warmongering class and how many people have died unnecessarily. These neocon, fake, phony, and fraudulent conservatives, it's all about prestige and power and money. Over the past several months, I've noticed how the Ukrainian flags disappeared and a lot of Israeli flags have gone up, but now I'm waiting for the Taiwanese flags next. This will be the new crisis du jour bought to you by the reprobates in charge. Money laundering, corruption doesn't matter. You must feed the appetite of the warmongers, the bankers, the elites, the elites that want most of us dead and gone, and those that remain that they can use under total submission with a digital currency, as the World Economic Forum says, You will own nothing and you will be happy. Our incompetent Washington elite here in the United States, they they are playing, I hate to use the term, Russian roulette, but it kind of fits. They keep itching for more war with Russia. Russia. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I also believe we're going to have a terrorist event before this year of 2024 is out on American shore, on on American territory. Because we have an incompetent government that is allowing uh, millions of unknown people into the nation. The only thing the White House is serious about is keeping their names off the pervert passenger list, skimming endless Ukrainian cash, and they, they worry about what proper pronouns you're supposed to use. Is it he, she, or they, or them, or whatever? Am I cis, or am I trans? Am I. I mean, this is crazy. We have people in government whose souls are so sold out. That they are now completely delusional and believe the lie and they scream and demand you must believe the lie with them or you must be canceled. You must be suppressed. This year is a presidential year. And of course, every two years here in the United States, the entire United States Congress comes up for re-election. That will happen later this year the so-called republicans only have a slim majority the democrats pretty well have the the senate by a vote and they have the white house really they have the white house well they joe biden is just a a figurehead he's a puppet the man is mentally deranged and and he's just he's all washed up and i think the democrats know it too and i like i said yesterday If you heard the program, I have serious doubts that Biden will get past the nomination process when the Democrats hold their convention this year. I really believe that when they meet, either Biden will have fallen by the wayside of his own desire, maybe like, you know, like President Johnson did in 1968, might even bow out early. And say, I've got too much to do, and I realize that my health may not hold up for four years. So I think that I'll just finish the work that I have, and y'all figure it out yourself. Or it may come down to a 25th Amendment challenge right before the, the convention. Or something may come up that forces Biden to resign. And I really believe there are stealth campaigns going on right now. Right now, among Democrats, to see who's going to be the nominee, because they know it's not going to be Biden. For those that are believing, and I want to remind you of what I said when this program began in 2020. I said it at the end of August of 2020. I said it all throughout September and October. People were saying, Bob, everything's going to be fine. Trump's going to get reelected. And we're all going to be singing a chorus of happy days are here again. You know, Trump's in the house again. I mean, and I said, don't count on it. These evil, disgusting people are already working out a plan. And people started warning you as early as May that the elections could be changed because of COVID mail-in ballots to everybody that ever registered to vote, even if they don't want to vote. Even in the nursing home, even people that are dead, just mail them on out. And we saw in Georgia and other places hundreds if not thousands of ballots being dumped into drop boxes by just a handful of individuals at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's always just the normal way of doing business, Bob. And that despicable Disgusting governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, worthless, 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 evil individual, heartless rhino, China agent. Let me explain to you something. When he ran in 2018, he won, not by a huge amount, because see, Atlanta has become a blue area, a very leftist-leaning area in Georgia with a growing population, but he won. And then they cut a deal with Stacey Abrams, who had lost, who claimed that she was the governor of Georgia. And they made concessions, I think, illegally and unconstitutionally to change how voting is done in Georgia. The governor did it, not the legislature. Also with, you know, Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state. And then came the, the election of 2020. And Democrats took two Senate seats and caused a lot of damage in this country. But what did Brian Kemp do knowing that he was going to have an election in 2022? Pretty much changed it back to the way it was, and he was able to win a re-election. He played the game. He's an agent of evil, in my opinion. He's just a despicable man, and he's a liar. And contrary to what Brian Kemp, a liar... And Brad Raffsenberger, a stooge, will tell you the election was stolen. And they know it. But if they admit it, they're a part of it. And I'm beginning to see some cracks in that armor, too. It's too late to change it now, but it's going to get out. 2024 is a year of opportunity, but it could also be the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. Evil knows its days are numbered that Jesus someday is going to break that eastern sky and every knee shall bow and everyone will know that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so evil will fight harder to go after your children, your life, the way you live, to make you worship the planet, get rid of your gas stove, get rid of your gas car, live off, you know, wind and solar and all this nonsense that doesn't yet work. It's all a matter of control. You know, California, we want you to have an electric car, but our electric grid is so bad that many times we have to tell you we have brownouts and don't charge your car. It's all about control. And, and those with electric cars are going to have a big surprise real soon when they, get start, when they start being charged mileage because they're not paying gas tax for the roads. I mean, no one thinks about this. If the true cost of electric cars was ever dumped on the consumer, people would not buy these things. Americans, many will have enough. Will the conservatives win in 2024? It all depends on how good the stealing is. Do not take for granted the lawfare and and the despicable things these evil people will do to keep in power. They will hurt and damage your children. They don't care if your kids die or your grandparents die in the nursing home as long as they win. They prove that in 2020. They don't care. Their hearts are stone. Their hearts are black and evil. The church, most of the churches in the United States today are not even Christian anymore. Christians in name only. They're woke, they're broke, They've compromised the faith once delivered. But as I said, as R.C. Sproul once said, God will always have his church, even if it's small and tiny and underground. I'm going to share some thoughts on that in just a few minutes that I really believe you need to hear regarding the church. We are at a crossroad. We can use this time of opportunity to prepare for the next things that are coming. And the Bible is clear. Things are not going to get better and usher in a wonderful world. It's going to get more and more difficult. But as the Bible has taught, there are times that we get a reprieve and a victory. Will that be 2024 or will that all evaporate before the year is out? Do you believe in the mission and ministry of this radio program? Shortwave radio? I'm telling you, is going to be more and more important as the years go by. If we get many more years. My time is free, as I've said before. I don't need to be paid, but the radio stations do need to be paid because the power bills are enormous. Maintenance is incredible. These are not inexpensive operations. And that's why we ask you, for The financial support to keep on WRMI, to keep on WTWW. If you would be so kind, would you consider visiting our website, truth, the numeral two, truth, the number two, ponder.com, truth2ponder.com? There's a tab that says support on the menu. We use Give, Send, Go, a Christian uh, funding organization that processes online. Or you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C H I L H O W I E, Chilhowie, Virginia 24319. Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510 chilhowie virginia c-h-i-l-h-o-w-i-e chilhowie virginia 24319 and we will be right back right after this break this is truth to ponder with bob beerman heaven's untouchables
1: coming up Shalom alechem. this is The Nice Jewish Boy, Jonathan Khan, your Jewish Connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can, so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. During the years of Prohibition, when hard drink was illegal, organized crime ran the underground. A gangster named... Scarface or Al Capone, rose to power in Chicago, and he corrupted everybody there, had had even judges on his payroll, and amazing, he could not be brought down. And because Chicago was so corrupt, there was nothing that could touch him. But then a young law enforcer was sent in there, Elliot Ness, was put in charge of of prohibition there, and he had nine enforcers, all, all young, idealistic people with him, and they were there to bring Al Capone down and break the underworld. And they were called the Untouchables. Why Not because they couldn't be touched, not that they couldn't be killed or beaten up. Yes, they could. But they couldn't be bribed or corrupted or threatened or touched. That's why. That was more impressive than anything else in a corrupt city. They could not be compromised. They could not do anything to them because they could not be bribed. And they ended up getting Al Capone on tax evasion. He was touchable because of his lack of integrity. The word integrity comes from untouchable, integratus. Well, God called you to be one of his heavenly untouchables, a man, woman of integrity who can't be touched, can't be compromised, can't be bought. Because if you'll do that, if you'll rid your life of compromise and go all out for God and not let that sin and that darkness, that tation touch you anymore, you'll become one of heaven's untouchables and you'll pull down strongholds and even transform a city or even change the world. Want more? Ask for the untouchables on CD. That's right. Now, the free gift for you the mystery hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel, better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's real. The mystery of the temple doors on CD. You'll love it. And sapphires, your daily spiritual vitamin supply for a victorious life in God. How do you get all these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus, real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you die. That's it. So, you just call 1 800 Yeshua 1 to receive your free gifts. You will be blessed. But call now 1 800 Yeshua, Y E S H U A and the number one. I invite you to minister with me and bring the good news back to the people who gave it to you. Israel and the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You'll be blessed. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can touch the world. It's amazing through Shorewave Radio. Or write to me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at Box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's that's. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, and that's in Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, and the ZIP 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Be untouchable, my friend. Shalom Alechem in Messiah Ravinu, our teacher.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. It wasn't that many months ago that chant of, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, was being said in New York City during a Pride event. And don't think that was just some kind of a tease or some kind of a parody. No. In their heart of hearts, they really mean it. You see it happening in our schools all across the United States, Canada, and pretty much the Western world. This infiltration of sexualizing, and destroying the hearts and the minds and the souls of children is, is just running rampant. And the church has been asleep at the wheel. The church has been so busy worrying about the color of the carpet or what hymnal to buy or, or some other foolishness or or just we don't want to know what's going on in the world. We're just gonna hide inside our little church as we age out and wait for Jesus. That's not what we're told to do. Jesus came into this world to minister to us, to show us the way, and that way includes obedience to the things that he tells us we should do. We are to yield our life to him, a living sacrifice. But too many people don't want to sacrifice anything. They want all the benefits. Oh yeah, I went to church once I guess if I live a good life, you've heard that all before. It's a lie. It's a damnable lie. It is delusion. And then those that want to bring drag queens and homosexuality and same-sex blessings into the church, they are bringing in the hordes from hell to destroy the church and kill it from within. Because people that are marginal or not even true believers are too cowardly to get up and fight. Oh, but Lord, we did all these social justice things in your name. I never knew you. Depart from me, you doers of evil. Now, this past Sunday, I shared a message with my congregation at Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. That's near the small town of Marion in the southwest corner of the state. And this message talked about obedience and what it really means to follow Jesus Christ. We started out with the narrative of Jesus coming before John the Baptist to be baptized. And if you continue in the narrative, you realize that that began his ministry after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus had a very powerful message. Many heard it. Many wanted to believe it. But amazingly, only a few were willing to really be true followers of Jesus Christ. So I welcome you now into the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for that message. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what you have for us today. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen seated. I've been thinking all week about how to approach this baptism of Jesus, and yet other things have come into my mind that I want to share as well that I think are equally as important. And I'm going to try to address both. One of the fascinating things in scripture, and and over the weeks ahead, you'll hear these scriptures. How many remember the wedding at Cana? When Jesus' mother Mary comes to Jesus and says, Hey, they're out of wine, and can you help? What can you do? And, And though Jesus obliged his mother, he made a statement. My time has not yet come. Jesus was willing to be baptized. This is the beginning of his ministry, really. His time had not yet come, but there, in his thirties, and it's funny scripture. We, we, we remember his. We all remember the Christmas story. He's born in Bethlehem, born in a manger, in a, laid in a manger in a stable, and then, as we learned last week. Within two years, we don't know how long the wise men show up. And then off they go to Egypt because Herod's out to try to kill every male-born child under the age of two because they're not sure when he was born. And then we don't hear anything for a long, long time. We do know that he returned to Nazareth at some point. I mean, they were in Bethlehem up to two years because that entire taxation process took a long time. You just didn't show up and then turn around and go home. You were kind of there for a while. So they were in Bethlehem, and then from Bethlehem to Egypt, Egypt to Nazareth. And now Jesus is beginning his ministry, and first he goes to see John. And John recognizes him. If you remember from the account before, as part of the Christmas account, when Mary met the mother of John, you know, John leaped for joy in the womb, knowing that he was in the presence of, of, of Jesus, who he's the forerunner to. It says it right in the scripture. And so John is just being obedient, doing what God had laid in his heart to do, without question. And then Jesus shows up and steps into the water. Wades in there with John. And John goes, I'm not even worthy. What what are you doing here? Obedience. And Jesus is baptized. And the scripture then continues. We didn't read it today. He then went off to the wilderness to fast for the forty days and forty nights which was the preparation for the beginning of his earthly ministry and calling of the disciples and all that that occurred. It is the beginning of that journey to the cross is what it really was. As he taught, healed, manifested himself, this season after Christmas we remember that he revealed himself to the world, not just the Jews, but to all of us, you, me, everybody. Everybody. And it's because of what he did for us in laying his life down that we're granted the gift of eternal life if we believe upon his name. Now, here in the United States, right now, it's pretty easy to be a Christian. There's nobody out there marking license tags, at least not... There's no virus going on in Kentucky where they were doing that. But we're no longer, no one really cares if you go to church or not. The government doesn't care. The locals don't care. You go or you don't, it's up to you. We've been granted or supposed to have religious freedom in this nation. And that has been a part of who we are for almost 200 and almost 50 years now. In some parts of the world, that is not true. Now what is sad, here in a country where you can worship freely and people came here over the centuries to obtain religious freedom, they don't even exercise, they they exercise a new freedom not to have any religion. The fastest growing group, according to the pollsters like Pew Research, uh, Barna and all of them, is called the nuns. We ain't got no religion of any kind. That is the fastest growing group in America today. And over 53% of the population doesn't care. We are now a majority non-Christian in this nation and declining quickly. But then again, the Bible in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about that great falling away as we get closer to the day. But his remnant church, like this, will still be here. i got to be careful in how I talk about this next topic because... I can't reveal names or places because even in something as simple as this, it could get out and cause somebody great harm. I want to share two quick stories. One goes back to early in my ministry. I had a small mission church in Salisbury, North Carolina. We were using a women's club building and we had a nice crowd and this one lady came every Sunday to church And she would bring her husband. Now, she was probably, oh, in her late 50s, early 60s. She had been raised in a church and fell away from it and found this one was so so close to what she was used to as a child, but she had married a man from India who was a devout Hindu. And they had been married for many years. He was a very successful businessman. Yet he, in in love and appreciation for his wife, would come with her every Sunday, and they would sit, you know, toward the back, and he would just sit there reverently, never argued, never gave any, any indication of any issues, to allow her to participate. When communion would come, you know, he would just stay in his seat. This went on for several months. And one Sunday after church... He came up to me. He very seldom, he was always like, good morning, have a nice day. No no real conversation. He comes up to me and he goes, pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, certainly. He said, do you have a little time? Because he knew we had a lot of traveling to do to get home. I said, I'll make as much time as you need. He said, would you join my wife and I for lunch? Okay, I'd be delighted to. You know, it's not; it won't ruin our day at all. So he we went to lunch. He said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a Christian, and I want to be baptized. Now, that may not sound like a big deal in America, but it was for him because, see, the second he would make a public profession of faith, his entire family in India would want him dead or disown him. And he said, it's taken me two weeks to wrestle with this. And he said, I, I know that I have no choice but to yield myself to Jesus Christ. And I had the privilege of baptizing him two weeks later. And sure enough, his family disowned him. He never was able to speak to any of his relatives in India again. They never would even take his phone calls. But he lived a very happy and prosperous life. In spite of what he gave up, God made it up to him. Another story. This is a true one, and this one I heard this came to me this week. I was supposed to attend later this month a function in Alabama during the week, a convocation of some clergy. And it got postponed till June because of just a bunch of stuff came up. Number one, I couldn't get there because of what I'm going through with some health treatments this this month and into next. It was just, you know, the timing was terrible. Then there was an issue with hotel reservations. The hotel had the wrong week and so they had already booked. I mean it just you know, everything that could go wrong, this was this was God making sure it couldn't happen then. I mean it just was shutting it down every which way you could shut it down. But it allows suddenly this one guy to be there, can't say his name, can't say where he's from, but he'll be sharing a lot more than I'm about to share with you now. Many years ago, he felt God's call in his life to be a missionary in the Middle East. In one of the nations where it can get you killed to be a missionary in the Middle East. He shares stories about being kidnapped, held four months, tied upside down by, on his feet and being beaten with rods as they tried to get him to renounce Christ, and he wouldn't do it. His captors finally, after four months, gave up, let him go, didn't kill him. Another time, he had met this guy that he thought was his friend, and he needed a ride one day to another community about an hour and a half away across the desert. The guy said, sure, I'd be delighted to take you. And so they headed out across the desert. And what he didn't realize was this so-called friend was going to use this opportunity to kill him and leave him in the desert. But as they were driving on the way, the Lord just spoke to the one guy's heart that wanted to kill him. And suddenly he asked the question, why do you believe in this Jesus? And he shared his testimony, and he gave his life to Christ Instead of killing this missionary. And he shared the story about several months later that what the real intent had been. This man that he converted. If you understand many areas of the Middle East. It's still kind of tribal. If you know what I mean by tribes and tribal. You have tribal leaders. Uh, Many are still living like Bedouins in parts of the Middle East. And this guy's father was a tribal leader. And one day he gets a call from his friend that was going to kill him, but now, of course, has given his life to Christ and says, my father is in the hospital dying. He said, would you go pray for him? Now, he knew he was about to walk into a room full of people that are literally Islamic terrorists and people that hate Christians, and there'd be the father in this bed. And he went, and he leaned down, and the old man in the bed whispered, I want to give my life to Christ. God has spoken to me. And so he re- and, and while the others are talking, he received his prayer, and then he goes, I want to be baptized. Well, how do you do that in a hospital room? How do you do that? In a-? So he did what they probably did in ancient times. He got, got a towel and filled it with water. And carefully, as because he had been wiping his head from the fever, and baptized him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And shortly thereafter, the man died. But he appointed his son to be the new tribal leader. Now, what you don't understand, and this is all in a period of five years now, you think God is not working because of. This one guy not killing the missionary and receiving Christ, and then explaining to his father the purpose of Christianity and the father receiving Christ, and now the son, the new tribal leader, 3.5 million Muslims have been converted to the faith in Jesus Christ and have been baptized. 3.5 million. In a region that is the most hostile to Christianity. You know, in North Korea... The church survives underground. It is there. They listen on shortwave radio. They have smuggled in Bibles. They they risk their life. I have a a nephew from my you know, from my marriage to my late wife who he and his wife answered the call to be missionaries in China. Another place they can get you in a bunch of hot water. And they have thousands of commitments to Christ. In their work as English instructors. People that would want to know more and just come to their house. No regular church service, just just meetings at the home. During the age of the Soviet Union, beginning in 1917, when all religion, especially Christianity, was thoroughly outlawed, the church continued to grow and and thrive and survive. Yet here in America, when we don't have all of these things to, to threaten our life and our property and our goods and, and our houses and families, we're the worst in the world, next to Canada and the United Kingdom and Europe now. Those that had all the gifts of God, all the blessings of God, all everything that the world has ever seen in, in technology... We've been given so much, we appreciated it so little, and we've walked away from those blessings. And yet those that have to risk everything are committing their lives to Christ. Jesus shows us an example. One of the things I learned when I, when the Lord laid on my heart, I was almost 40 years, I was like 40 years of age when I started my journey to the ministry. I was real happy being just a radio guy. And God got a hold of me. But one thing I learned about being a Christian, we become followers of Christ. Not like on Facebook or or Twitter where you follow somebody. No, you really follow him in his steps and his actions. We are told to be more Christ-like in the things that we do. We live in America now where the idea of Christ is becoming a vanishing thing, and the only time you hear the name Jesus Christ is when someone's swearing or cursing or angry. There used to be a time, and I can remember it, when I was in my, well, this tall, that tall back there, and then as I grew up and became a teen people in ministry had respect even from those that were not exactly believers at least there was respect that's all gone now if you're in new york city and wear a collar you're probably going to be spit on just because you're wearing a collar or san francisco or any other major city even in the united kingdom and you're looked on as suspect in many countries today even like germany and parts of france and i mean it's just it's changing I mentioned, why do we do what we do here at this church? We're small. The Lord has laid on my heart. We'll end up being 30 to 40 people, maybe a few more. We've only been here not that many months. and We've been up and down. We've, we've had good days and bad. We've had days where it's pretty full and other days where it isn't. I don't understand why. But I also believe... That God is about to, you know, God, right now, there's, I, I was, I was going to wait to some other Sunday. I'll make this real quick and I'll finish up. The Bible talks about the day is going to come when there's going to be a sh- separation of the sheep from the goats. That's what's going on in our world today. There's a falling away. The goats are saying, ah, we're leaving. And the flock of sheep that have been called by his name are here. You're here because God wants you here. You're here because God has got something in store for you beyond your wildest imagination. Times can get tough, but God is tougher. Knowledge may be plentiful, but wisdom is lacking. And we're told as Christians not just to be knowledgeable, but to be wise. I look at this little place that was dedicated to the glory of God, this building that belonged at one time to the Nazarene church body. It's had others in here. But some people saw this building and dedicated it to the glory of God way back in 1979. And it's seen good days and bad days. And it was closed for a long time and then God laid it upon our heart to come in here and begin to work on it. And when I, I'm going to, I'm watching the clock because I don't want to, I I get you out of here by noon, I always promise that. I never expected when we started this church, we started it as I, I know those in the back pew can remember, we had a group called Soul Sandwich in here and we had a wonderful time getting to know a number of people. And I wonder where God would lead this. And I'm thinking just in terms of a church and a couple of cameras to be online, you know, that's going to be the ministry. And then, no, that's not the ministry. That's just a part of the ministry. Education. And many of you may know, by the way, uh, our application to build a radio station, not a very powerful one, but enough to serve Marion, Seven Mile, Four, Chill has been accepted for filing. We are now in a 30-day window. We could receive our construction permit as early as before Easter. And actually, from this building, run a little radio station 24 hours a day. Thank the Lord for automation and equipment, we can do it. And how many people will that reach that may be that one person that goes, you know, we're, I'm not hearing God's word, I'm not being fed, I'm not learning, I'm not growing, that may find themselves in one of these pews as we continue to grow slowly and methodically? One by one, one family, one person at a time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have to share in your word. Thank you for all that you do for us and in this world, and sometimes we're just not appreciative. Lord, I pray that if there's any doubts, if there's anything that we need to clear up, Lord, that you'd open our hearts, our ears, our eyes to understand and be at one with you. Lord, you have come to this world not to condemn it, but to be its Savior and to redeem those that will call upon your name. Lord, bless the remainder of this service and bless all those that are here and watching today. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Come unto Jesus,
2: all you who are weary. Come to the mercy seat, fervently near, here bring your wounded hearts broken and needy, come unto Jesus, mighty to heal, joy of the comfortless light for the stray. forsaking. All that was gained count as nothing but loss. And trade all this world for his kingdom unfading. Come unto Jesus, take up your cross.
0: pray today that if there's a part of your life that is not yielded under the Lordship of Jesus Christ that you come to Jesus today we are at a time as I said at the beginning of this radio program a time of profound and unbelievable change ahead of us and much of it not good but I also believe for a window there is a time of opportunity The church must stand up and make a decision. If your church will not, if your church has gone apostate, if your church just hopes for better days and does nothing in terms of reaching the lost, it's time to move on. There'll always be a remnant church. God will always have his people. We may not be the majority anymore, and I I know we haven't been in for a long time, even the Christians in name only. We don't even make it to 50% anymore, more like about 46, 47%. And that's anybody that declares any kind of religious faith, whether it's the true faith, a phony faith, or a part-time faith. 53% of American people, even worse in Canada and the United Kingdom. What is it, like three or 4% of the people in Great Britain go to church? We are a fallen apostate world, and God's judgment is coming. Evil is having no trouble taking over all of the institutions because God's people are not there as the salt and the light to fight it back. You need to do your part recognizing we may not win this battle, but ultimately we win the war. It's that simple. When Jesus returns, will he find you faithful? working for His Kingdom. This radio program is not just about news. It is a couple of days a week, but it's really more about the church and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's more important than the news. The news will come and go. Leaders will come and go. But God's Word is forever. If you believe in the mission and ministry of Truth to Ponder, I'm the unpaid employee. A Matter of fact, there are no paid employees at Truth to Ponder. But we do this radio program in obedience to God. It was laid on my heart over three years ago to do this show. My time is free, but the radio stations need to be paid because of their extreme expenses and equipment and maintenance and power. Would you consider today supporting us? You can go to our website, Truth2Ponder.com. You can find a way to support us there. Or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code in Chilhowee, 24319 This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website Truth, the number two and the word ponder.com That's Truth the number two ponder.com Truth to Ponder Shining the light of truth in a darkening world